0: Deep pattern downfield
1: touchdown Miami! What a throw, Devonte Parker! Holy smokes, what a drive! What is up, Dolphin fans, and welcome to the Drive Time podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, coming to you late on a Sunday night, here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, that's a wrap on the exhibition season. No more preseason games, as the Dolphins got their final work of the exhibition season in in a 29-26 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals in dramatic fashion. The preseason is a wrap. We have a game to break down, five takeaways, a new acquisition, what's to come on the podcast, plus a bonus from the postgame show on 560 WQAM with myself, Seth Levitt, and OJ McDuffie from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast.
0: That's another Miami Dolphins
1: So kicking things off here, 35 players did not participate in the game on Sunday against the Bengals, 45 guys dressed, but among those that did and did not, I thought Preston Williams and Nick Needham playing were two of the more interesting ones, giving Preston a chance to get his first game action since last November was a great look out there, see number 18 doing his thing getting vertical on one particular route that almost was a completion of the ball, just a little bit wide of his reach. So so good to see the glitch out there, the unicorn doing his thing. Nick Needham played a lot of snaps in this game, and I thought he showed out very well as he has done all camp long, all preseason long. So good to see him put a cap on the preseason here. And then Jalen Phillips as well. Another one of these guys, and we covered this in the post-game show a little bit, how it seems like there was a bit of a mark for players to hit in terms of, you know, like Coach said, the only way to get better at playing football is to play football, and we saw so many of the Dolphins' ones or starters or prominent players, whatever you want to call them, get plenty of reps in this preseason. We talked about Austin Jackson, Solomon Kinley, Robert Hunt, some of the big guys up front, Michael Dieter, hitting upwards of 70, 80 snaps in those first two preseason games. So Jalen Phillips gets his second preseason appearance on Sunday in Cincinnati and got plenty of run. We'll come back to him in the takeaway segment. And then Sam Aguavon following up the big, big game last Saturday in or against Atlanta rather and having another big game on Sunday against the Bengals. And I like how Coach gave those guys, you know, the guys that were out there pretty much from opening gun to the final whistle. He gave them credit for playing as many snaps as they did. What a testament to their conditioning and their commitment. And just the fire they showed to play and compete in this game. The Bengals began this game with their first-team offense, some ones, some twos in the defense. And I thought Miami did really well to kind of show their stuff in those portions of the game but also to compete at the end of the game and that takes us into our first takeaway here the Dolphins ability to sustain drives once again we saw a seven nearly seven and a half minute drive that covered 74 yards and 13 plays led by Reed Sinet and I don't know if you want to call that a function of the offense but also just having that function of the offense built in with the weapons that can take those down and distance shrinkers, the layup type of throws, the get me into second and four where Tua or Reed or Jacoby catches the snap, turns, throws that thing out to a easy or not an easy completion, but a high percentage completion to get yourself ahead of the chains and then building in some longer shots from that, but also converting first downs because as this team has done all preseason, you convert first downs, you stay on the field, you give that defense rest, and you give this defense some rest. I like their chances to not only make some big plays, but to get consistent stops when they are fresh and rested, not to mention with the depth they have on that defense, really at all three levels. So Miami's ability to both and this goes back to the, the complementary f- style of football, right? The more ways you can win, you can smother a team on defense. You can kick a bunch of field goals and you get your points on the board that way. You can shorten the game offensively with those long, sustained drives. Or you can be explosive and go up over the top. You can score a bunch of points on a day where the defense maybe doesn't have it. And this, to me, just shows you more functions, more ways to win. When it comes to just the offense in general, because I think they can both, again, sustain the drives, hit the layups, stay ahead of the chains, but also have the explosive, you know, five-play 80-yard drive with a big gainer in the middle of that drive with a Will Fuller, a Devontae Parker, a Jalen Waddle, a Miles Gaskin, Savan Ahmed, a Mike Gasicki. You know the drill, you get the names They are on this club and they can make big, exciting plays to go along with the ability to sustain those drives, hit those layups, and create shorter down and distances. I liked in the same first takeaway here how Miami competed against players that, you know, are a higher string on the roster than what the Dolphins players are. You know, Reed Sinet's offense out there doing what they did against this Bengals defense or the opening series for the Bengals going backwards with Joe Burrow's big you know, pronounced return to the field after his knee injury last season, which, you know, three plays, two handoffs, and a screen throw. It seemed like it was maybe more about optics than anything else as far as playing him in that game, but it was nice to shut that drive down and for Nick Needham to get in there and make a big play on Jamar Chase on that one pass he did throw. So the Dolphins' third string, if you want to call it that. I hate those phrases. The Dolphins' reed Senate led team taking it to the Bengals and Joe Burrow and that offense they had out there. The takeaway number two for this was the playing time of some of these guys. We talked about this already, but Nick Needham doing his work to shut down one pass to Jamar Chase, getting a hand on the football and causing a drop by playing it tight there. But just playing so so many reps, all the snaps that Nick had in this game, I thought were indicative of how deep this Dolphins secondary is but also just the work and the grind that he puts out there because Nick might be able to say like I've earned the right to be on that sideline with eating the sunflower seeds and putting my ball cap on but he didn't he's not going to complain about it he looks at the opportunity to go out there and play and and make plays for his team as an opportunity and that's what you need in this league to continue to get your chances and to to run with them I thought Nick did a great job of playing and and playing well in this game and OJ McDuffie on the post game show talked about this how he was always itching to get out there. He said his two favorite days are Sunday and payday. And he said anytime there's a football game going on, he wanted to get out there. And I think that's kind of indicative of this Dolphins culture And that, and coach talked about this in his press conference post-game, talking about Jared Dokes as a player that really kind of compiles all the things they want in a Miami Dolphin, toughness, physical, smart football player, and guys who love the game. It's important to them. And I think we saw that with not just Nick Needham, but a lot of players on this roster, especially on the Dolphins guys that were not playing. The 35 players that were not in the lineup tonight, on the sideline, cheering their guys on. There was one play that ran into the sideline, and it was the, the DTs. We always talk about Sealer, Wilkins, Davis, and Butler. And someone ran, strung a play out to the side, and it didn't didn't gain more than a yard or two. And those guys were fired up for their teammates. And it's awesome to see. Those guys support each other, whether it's the ones and the threes or the threes and the ones. And, you know, this goes back to something else. Reed Sinnott said after the game how Jacoby Brissett could have just said, hey, get away, kid. I don't need to help you. You're not part of my job. But he didn't do that. He was very helpful all offseason long, answering questions, being in his ear, and teaching the the young kid along. So I think that's just a great culturally structure. Is that a phrase, a term? I don't know. You get it. The structure of the culture here to – have the same like-minded type of players that get along and strive for the same goal. That's going to not only create bonds and friendships, it's going to make these guys want to play for each other even more. We heard it with last year's team, and it sounds like this year's team is kind of getting into that same frame of mind, that same mold here early on in late August. Also in the playing time mentioned here, Kirk Merritt, I thought all camp long, all preseason long, played his way onto somebody's roster. And Coach Flores talked about this post-game. They're going to have tough decisions to make at a couple of spots. And he said that running back was one. Receiver was one of those positions. And really throughout the course of the roster. And I, I, I tend to agree with him because there are, you know, maybe 60, 65 guys you see on this roster that, that belong in this league, that can play on this league right now, and then another handful of guys that maybe can develop more and get to that point as well. But I just thought that Kirk Merritt and the way he performed to go from this position where you look at the roster before training camp, there's, like, there's no way in your mind that Kirk Merritt is going to be one of the top five or six guys that you keep in the room if you do keep five or six receivers at that position. Just based upon the accomplished resumes you had with a Will Fuller, with a Devontae Parker, with a number six draft pick this year and Jalen Waddell, with Albert Wilson, who produced big time for this team in the past and for the Chiefs prior to that, with Preston Williams, who has production, with Mac Hollins, who has both production offensively and on special teams. There are just to Jakeem Grant as well in that that mention there. He's been a good pro for receiver and for punt returning. But for Kirk Merritt to see the roster as it sat in front of him and to work his butt off and to produce and continue to make plays and earn promotions up the roster from the third string to the second string to getting work with Tua and the ones, it just is a reminder that every single summer, every single training camp, you're going to have these surprises you just did not expect to happen. And I think Kirk Merritt's a great example of that. And I think that sets a great precedent on your roster that don't worry about what the paper says. Things can happen. Guys can move their way up and you can earn your spot on this roster if you take care of the things within your control and take care of your business. And I thought Kirk Merritt did that all summer long. Three catches, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Takeaway number three. I mean, this probably should have been number one, but we're gonna put it here at number three. Reed Sinnott, what a game he had. The 343 passing yards were the most in a preseason game by any quarterback since at least 2017. That's a great stat fact there from Brett Geisen here in our PR department. He does a great job researching these stats for us, going through game books and pulling up all this data for us that we use constantly on the podcast and otherwise. So thank you for that, Brett, and for Reed Sinnott. What a game he had playing under pressure with poise, throwing the ball down the field, going off script, the arm strength over the middle. I remember texting or texting, tweeting out, during the Chicago game, when he was coming onto the field after Jacoby had finished up his first half of play. And I tweeted out, said, so you guys are going to enjoy watching Reed in that play because I have watched him out here at camp every day, making plays, whether it's with his arm or going off script and scrambling and making things happen. And, you know, OJ McDuffie had a great story for us on the post game show, talking about how he said, when you went to San Diego, you paid them to go to school and to play football. Like it's a, a learning institution where you pretty much have to take out your student loans. And he says he still is paying off student loans. And there was a fun segment there on the post game show where he talked about giving him the game ball. And then we heard from Reed on the post game press conference who got a game ball. And we had a fun joke with that as well. So Reed's in it. What a great moment for him to get out there and play extensively, play the entire game, take some hits, keep getting up and keep going downfield. And of course that game winning pass to Chris Myrick for 34 yards to beat the Bengals in Cincinnati. We'll hear more about that here in just one second. Takeaway number four, Jalen Phillips and playing backwards, you know, talking about going into coverage, getting down into that curl zone, into that hook zone and playing some of those positions that are not necessarily the primary function of an edge player, but certainly something they have to do in this defense. And we saw that with Jalen Phillips. We saw it with Andrew Van Ginkle at times. We've even seen the defensive interior drop back into coverage with a Christian Wilkins or a Zach Sealer, whatever it might be. Everybody has multiple roles that can do multiple things, and that's what makes this defense really tick, is the versatility and the, that versatility that creates confusion for the opposing offense and the opposing quarterback, because you can't pigeonhole any one player into any one particular job or any one particular rep, and so what I wanted to talk about here with Phillips was, what are the two things that you really saw on his college tape that stood out that you think that most likely projects to the next level. And being the 18th pick in the draft, you would assume that was a Dolphins thought too. Like, yeah, he probably projects as a good pass rusher and good run defender, but to be a complete player, why don't we go ahead and work on this third element of his game in the playing pass coverage? So we saw some of that as well. But you also saw plenty of the pressure work too. There was one rep where, again, going back to the post-game show, I went over to Seth and showed him, here's why I thought this play was fantastic, and I tweeted it out as well. There was a, a play where the Bengals showed run action away from Jalen Phillips, and the tight end on the play side of that run action came across the formation, and that's typically a split zone look. So anytime you go outside zone, there's a counter to that where you bring a tight end across the formation. It's called split zone. It just works off of a that type of a look, And it's basically a complimentary type of play calling in your running game. And you bring that tight end across the formation and he digs out the backside uh, defensive end or the outside linebacker, whatever you want to call it, in the role that Jalen Phillips is playing on this play. And so on this, Phillips has a clear shot coming at him. He can put the contact on the tight end. He can absorb the contact, but he sees a tight end coming across the formation and he peels off last minute, right before the contact arrives. And to me, what I saw on the game coverage, now I can't know this for sure, was that he had his eyes in the right place on the quarterback, on the mesh point, on the football, on the running back, where whoever the ball is going to go to, he was going to be in position to make a play and close down on that. And so when the quarterback extends the handoff, doesn't make the handoff, just fakes it and pulls it back in to see Jalen close and the explosion on that first step when he said, okay, no more tight end. It's time to go after the quarterback. That closing speed was on display and I thought it was a thing of beauty and that could be a big, big key to this Dolphins defense taking yet another step forward in what Jalen Phillips, but also Andrew Van Ginkle, Emmanuel Ogba and some of the other edge guys can do in this defense. But back to Phillips, there was another rep where the Dolphins with some of those Big defensive tackles. They love to run and set picks and create space and just have a team mindset pass rush. I thought Jalen showed off the lateral agility where he sets up field and then crosses back over the inside and loops and scrapes off the defensive tackles butt and gets in the middle of the pass rush for the into the quarterback's face. And I thought he showed you some of the lateral agility on that play as well. So I thought Jalen Phillips showed really well on this game, his most extensive work of the preseason, and he had some good production in this game. Takeaway number five, I liked some of the offensive line play that I saw in this game, particularly Greg Little and Durval Neto on the left side of that offensive line. Also want to go ahead and give a shout out on one of the screenplays. Robert Jones got out in space, and we watched it about five times in the WQAM uh, booth watching robert jones get in space and just throw a defensive back out of the club now you might say of course he's going to do that because the size difference but to get that guy in open space to catch him to block him to throw him out that was impressive work from robert jones but back to greg little and derval there was some double teams where they were blowing dudes off the football similar to what we saw last week with robert hunt and liam eichenberg off the right side i thought greg little had a fantastic game getting quick to his landmarks. His pass sets were sharp. He was able to redirect and anchor and show that good work and pass protection, but also get push in the run game. And then Durval Kierrez Neto, man, just blowing guys off the ball consistently, standing guys up. You see some of their helmets stand straight up when he hits them, and he gets good push and good drive. And there was one rep where Seth Levitt on the post game show gave Durval one of his his only game ball. We went down to three game balls this week. He gave Durval a game ball, and there was a play we watched where Seth was enamored because Durval had one arm straight out and was pass blocking somebody with his head, his right arm out and his head looking left, looking for more work. Like I got this one hand, don't worry about it. And he did. He had it. St- he had it stonewalled. Blocked off and was looking for additional work. We continue to see strides from Durval here in year number three, and he still has that roster, the practice squad roster exemption, too. So if he doesn't make the club, he still has a chance to stay, stick around and work on the practice squad and get even more valuable experience. So those are the five takeaways. Let's go ahead and talk about some individuals here that we're going to get into the new acquisition and then play some sound from the WQAM show. But I thought uh, Jared Dokes. And what he does in short yardage down around the goal line, the ability to change the angle last minute with the power and the burst that he has to fall forward, I think it's a great combination for short yardage. And again, Coach was very complimentary of Jared after the game. I talked about Kirk Merritt the shiftiness, the shake at the top of the route to create separation, and then the power to run through a couple of tacklers and almost get that touchdown, which would have been touchdown number two for him. By the way, Jared did have two touchdowns as well as 61 rushing yards in this game. But Kirk Merritt, three for 71 and touchdown, almost made it three for 72 and two touchdowns by running through some tackles. But that combination of both those things has shown very well this preseason. Malcolm Perry made a bunch of tough catches in traffic and hung on to the football. Wanted to give him some love for that. He had a great week of practice this week, I thought, and then carried it over into the game. How do you not put Chris Myrick in here for his, game-winning touchdown catch in the corner of the end zone. What a hell of a catch that was to high point that thing, keep it corralled into your chest, survive the contact of the ground of the defender, and get that knee down in the orange part of the end zone for six. At the same position, tight end, Hunter Long. There was the drop late in the game, but I thought all things told. He showed some things that really showed some maturity for a young player at that position. Tight end is so difficult to come in and make an impact because you have to really excel in all three phases run game pass game pass protection you have to do it all and he did a little bit of that today I thought there was one rep where he had to chip and then release on a little boot action from Reed Senate, and he was able to hold the block and get into space locate the football get upfield and make a play after the catch so Hunter Long excited to see what he can do especially just a couple weeks after leaving practice on a cart what a tough guy he is there out of Boston College Jonathan Ledbetter really wanted to mention him here because I saw him stay after practice this week a couple of times getting some extra work on the sled and we go back to his 2019 lone game of his career the season opener where he was a damn good player in that game and I thought had a really good camp that year earned himself a starting spot on that 2019 club and then gets injured last year suffers an injury in the offseason before he can even get into the season so just to see him working and get back out there really enjoy it and be productive I thought he Got down the line and made a bunch of plays in the running game. In that, in that sense, in this victory for the Dolphins, Benito Jones had some good pressure up the middle. He's a load man. He's low to the ground and he is heavy, a squatty body. He got that roughing call, but eh, well, it's a preseason call, I think. He just kind of drove the quarterback into the ground a little bit. But, you know, what are you going to do? It's not much you can do about that play. But he had good pressure up the middle. I thought Shaquem Griffin had some good pressure off the outside. He moved the quarterback off the spot a few times. And then Noah Igbenogany, that final play of the game, great position, great coverage. That's what you want to see more from Noah. Get that head around. Locate the football and continue to make plays. He was good in this game, I thought, as well. And then Nick Needham, also want to go ahead and mention him one more time because I thought he was fantastic all game long when he was out there. Before we get out of here on this quick recap of the third preseason game, and we'll have some omissions on tomorrow's show for you guys. Going to go ahead and re-watch this game into the morning hours and come back and do a podcast for you that will be available for you either Monday night or Tuesday a.m. We'll find out about that. But we had some roster activity over the weekend an acquisition. But first, to make the acquisition, Vince Beagle will miss his second straight season. He has been added to the injured reserve. Tough break for Vince. He led the team in pressures in 2019, was having a strong camp, and talked about how much it meant to him to get back out here. I hate to see that for Vince. And the newcomer, former Baltimore Raven, Houston Texan, and Toledo Rocket, Greg Mance. And he hasn't played significant time since 2016. That year, for the Texans' playoff team, he was a center. Played 100 or 1,000 rather, 261 snaps for the Texans. He only played 560 in 2017, 368 in 2018 158 in 2019 and then one snap last year so his snap count has gone down each year but he had great grades on pro football focus in 2016 a 75.7 overall grade 83.7 pass blocking grade and then 70.2 in the running game he had some good grades in 2018 as well but the pressure numbers the one that i really want to look at here on pro football focus in 2016 that year he played 21 pressures one sack four hits on 749 pass blocking snaps that was every 36.7 snaps. Then 2017, he had 26 pressures on 350 pass blocking snaps. That goes down to 13.5 snaps per pressure. Three sacks allowed, two QB hits. Then, and then his numbers beyond that. 2018, 11 pressures allowed. That was good for one every 19.4 snaps. So that first year, some really good numbers. Since then, the analytics are not so not so kind to Greg. But all things told, a nice depth acquisition here for the Miami Dolphins. So get this player right before training camp breaks and get him into your system, get him up to speed, and get him ready to go. 32 and 3 quarter inch arms, 79 and 5 8 inch wingspan, did not have workout numbers at the combine. 58 career games, 28 starts. He started one game in 2019, four in 2018, seven in 2017, and started all 16 games in 2016 he also played some tackle too so the rare center tackle conversion there for him that was a good trait to see there for a guy that can play multiple spots like most players on this miami dolphins club all right we've got a few more things to go here on the podcast Uh, We're going to have the Omissions podcast tomorrow where I talk about things I missed. The Snap Count breakdown, the Pro Football Focus Advanced Metrics breakdown. Don't want to miss that. We're going to have the 53-man roster recapping the Dolphins' entire roster. Talk about what those guys do well, the best trait from each player. We'll get to that this week. We're going to have a crossover podcast with the Fish Tank. Seth and OJ will join me. You don't want to miss that conversation. We'll preview the season as well before we get into actual game week the following week against the New England Patriots. And before we get out of here, a quick bonus for you guys. I want to play the audio from the opening segment from the post-game show on WQAM with yours truly, as well as Seth Levitt and OJ McDuffie from the Fish Tank Podcast.
0: Spin it, back to throw, pressure coming. Lots of pressure, gets oh, away it. from it all. Now he's running downfield and throws it deep to the corner of the end zone! I got it! It's caught! Touchdown Miami!
2: Oh my gosh. That's unbelievable. Prince Myrick Chris on the touchdown. Myrick, and
0: what a throw!
1: Nice oh, oh. in it! Oh. What is up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to the Miami Dolphins fifth quarter post game show. Seth Levin and OJ McDuffie are here with me. I am Travis Wingfield. Guys, we just watched our first ever Dolphins game together, and Big Seth. I was ready for a boring preseason joke here, but we all kind of (laughs) lost our collective minds in the booth after that game. Who would make a boring preseason joke? (laughs) Not you, never you. Reed Sonette to Chris Myrick, 34 yards and the Dolphins win. Seth, what do you think? Reed Sonette out there, man. Listen, the guy, he had to play the whole preseason game, right? And, you know, probably excited,
0: Juice, for a guy like that to get a chance to get that many reps. But, man, oh, man, he fought to the bitter end. And you're right. He finished the preseason strong, and we're in here celebrating and enjoying this thing, not just because the preseason is over, but it was a fantastic finish.
2: Yeah, I, and I love Reed. I love this whole story, man. And, you know, you think about it, man quarterback situation for the Miami Dolphins. Looks like it's in pretty good hands, right? Big Seth and, and Travis. I, I agree. Mean, we talk about Tua, you know, and then we got, of course, we got Jacoby. We also got Sennett to win it, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's a, that was a hell of a finish, man. And, and you know, and and, and, and to take a wallop at the end of that too, man. Great job, man. That was fun to watch.
1: I was glad to hear his parents correct the pronunciation on his last name because a lot of folks were calling him mm. Sennett. It's Sennett, so Sennett to win Sinet it. Sennett to win it. It works. That's that's the perfect segue for that. He goes 22 for 33, 343 pounds passing yards, a pair of touchdowns, and a pick. And like you guys mentioned, I mean, no Tua Tunga-Vailoa, no Jacoby Brissett juice to come out here and just deal like that. I mean, what does that do for his confidence or for the future of his career in the NFL? I mean, this is a game where you got to make an impression. He sure did that. Yeah, I think
2: it does a lot. You know, for one, confidence is one thing. You know, these guys have done so much work together. Uh, You know, I know he's done a lot of work with Kurt Merritt you know, I know he's worked some, some, some more other times with some of the other guys, man. But, you know, everybody works so hard, and but not everybody gets these opportunities. So when you get these opportunities, you do what Reed did today and you take advantage of man. You get out there, and no matter who you're playing with or who you're playing against, you, know, you, you make the most of the situation. And that's what he did today. And you can tell, these guys have done a lot of work in the off season together. It didn't look like. I mean, I mean, you look at the penalties. You look at, you know, the false starts or anything like. Everything looks like it was similar to what we've seen from our starters. That's a fair point. Which is, uh, which is good as a testimony to how well coached this team is and how well these guys pay attention to to details. So uh, it was fun to watch, man. No matter what, anytime we get a win, and we joked about it before the game was over. You know, Reed's gonna be. Sore tonight. <laughs> he is. He's gonna have a long plane tough ride plane home. Ride. It's gonna be a tough plane ride home. It's gotta it's be gonna feeling be, good. Though, you Juice. feel a lot better with a win, and everybody else feels. How about the guys that didn't play? How are they feeling right now? You know, they were <laughs> jumping good. around. They were jumping around in their shorts and t-shirts. They're gonna have a fun ride home too, man. So it's always good to win, no matter what. Preseason. Regular season, postseason, getting a win, getting on a plane, especially on the road. It's, it's such a great time.
1: Seth grabbed a photo of our the boss man, Jason Jenkins himself, on the sideline right <laughs> behind the play there behind Chris Myrick. And he kind of had the stern look on his face, like, is that a touchdown? And then he saw the touchdown, threw the arms up. And that was really the entire Dolphins sideline all game, Seth. I mean, we, we sat here and watched it early on. I saw Christian Wilkins and Raquan Davis barking and Zach Sealer getting pumped up over there. When you're on that sideline, in a a preseason game with all the starters, maybe this is more of a juice question, but you've, you've participated in this yourself Uh, (laughs) in a a different
0: capacity. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) But
1: in a certain sense, I mean, it's, it's a different, a different approach, a different environment when you're in these exhibition games, but the juice is still there, right? Yeah. I look 60% of the
0: roster just wants to get into the regular season, right? Juice. They want to get out of this thing. Obviously there's guys here that are fighting for their dreams and their careers, uh, whether it's here with the dolphins or with another team, but, uh, you know, everybody – well, it's a little different this year because there's, no, there, there, there's no overtime, right. which I think the only thing better than shortening the preseason from four <laughs> games to three games was having no overtime as a part of that as well. But, uh, it, you know, either way, everybody wants to go home with a win, and this is a budding rivalry, the Dolphins and the Bengals, right? <laughs> this is a right. kind of a budding rivalry for different reasons, but what a great finish, and you're right. I think that that just – it puts the right cherry on top of this preseason – for this Dolphins team, from the last guy on the roster all the way up to, you know, whoever you want to say is the lock of all locks on the team.
1: So that's just a little bit of a taste of what we do on the post-game show on 560 WQAM as well as on 99.9 Kiss Country for the first hour. It's a two-hour show. We have a link and an app. You can find that if you're an out-of-town Miami Dolphins fan as well. So check us out every single post-game on the WQAM post-game show, the Miami Dolphins fifth-quarter post-game show there with myself, Seth, and OJ. All right, that's going to be my time on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Nice and short and sweet. We're going to come back tomorrow and do it all over again and every day the rest of this week as well. In the meantime, Caroline, Daddy is coming home. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL follow the team at Miami Dolphins check out the fish tank podcast with our guys Seth and OJ right there and of course MiamiDolphins.com and until next time Vince up